Hello and welcome to It's Lit, where all things literary live at the root. I'm Maisha Kai, Managing Editor of The Glow Up, and today we are talking with the brilliant Jill Louise Busby. Jill is a writer and filmmaker who first became widely known for her powerful online presence, Jill is Black. And if you know Jill is Black, you know. While Jill has been engaging and occasionally entertaining us for years on social media with her thought-provoking takes on race, she has just this month published her first book, a collection of essays called Unfollow Me. And I have to say, this book truly blew me away with its honesty, its vulnerability, and its overall salient points about race, hypocrisy, and being in the public eye. I really can't say enough how much I enjoyed talking to Jill. She is an absolutely incredible mind with so many insightful things to say about the motivations we have behind being active on social media, the ways we discuss and use identity, and the different social scripts we give non-Black people and how that also impacts us. We even talked about the varied classes within Blackness. And again, if you know, you know. It was a really, really rewarding conversation that I hope you enjoy. So with that, please enjoy Jill Louise Busby. Jill, welcome to It's Lit. Hi. Thank you for having me. It's so exciting. It is a pleasure to have you. And I'm I'm, I'm a little intimidated because you've got a better podcast voice than I do. But I'm, we're going to get through it. <laughs> I practice for hours a day. So what now, can you expect? You know, I am one of the many who, uh, you know, first became accustomed to, well, became acquainted with you, I should say, as Jill is Black. But in your new book, Unfollow Me, Essays on Complicity, uh, you you take us a lot deeper, and we're going to get into that. We're going to get deeper into that. But before we do, we do have an icebreaker here at It's Lit, because it's oh. a podcast about Black writers and Black books and Black thought. And I've never met a reader, I mean, a writer who's not also a great reader. Mm. Are there any books that significantly influenced your journey, like something that inspired you, blew your mind, was like a game changer for you? Um, It really, it really depends. Um, I would say, of course, like I read Invisible Man uh, in 2020, which was just the right choice uh, for me. But I also like books when I was younger seem to be the most impactful. So I would say like Coffee Will Make You Black just mm. had, yeah, by April Sinclair just had such yeah. a major impact on me that I always want to like bring it up. So when people ask this question, I could go, I could go through the things, but I'm, I'm going to go back to April Sinclair and say Coffee Will Make You Black is like a formative book. I love that. I love that. And that's the first time we've gotten that answer. I do own that book. And I agree with you. That is a great book to reference. So I, that's kind of dope because I love I love it when people bring up a new one. We have, you know, we have some tried yeah. and true faves here and their faves for a reason. But that is a worthy fave. So thank you for bringing up that one. Uh, you know, I have to say your book is is one of my favorite books I've read in a minute. Um, and wow. I read a lot of books. You know, I, I will say as nonfiction goes, and it's interesting to, to use that term nonfiction with this book because it's, uh, <laughs> uh-huh. it, it, it feels very much like you're trying to cut through a fiction that I think, I think a lot of us are, especially those of us who have digital platforms yeah. of one sort or another, uh, are, are constantly fighting against. Mm-hmm. Um, and that in this opportunity, this coveted opportunity that so many of us reach for to be able to get a publishing deal, write a book, whatever, you uh, 
took the opportunity to dismantle something within yourself. Would that be an accurate reading of that? I, I would say I would say so. Yes, that <laughs> is how I decided to do it. Um, and at least once a day, I think, why? Why that way? But that's what happened. Um, and so, yes, that is what I decided to do. You had a burn it all down moment. Sometimes we had that. that that's been yeah. the theme of, of the last year, I think. Burn it all down. That's right. Um, so, like, let's talk. Can we talk about that? Can we talk about Jill is Black and who you confront pretty, pretty directly in this book, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that identity? And can we talk about, you know, for our, for our listeners who are not familiar, how she came to be, how she came to be problematic for you and, and where she lives now? <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Um, well. Jill's Black was just a handle that um, I thought of quickly when I was getting on Instagram in 2011 or whatever year that was. Um, and my usual handle was taken. And I was like, Jill's Black. And so I would just, you know, I was living in Olympia, Washington. I was just vaping every night and writing ridiculous captions. And that's what I did there. Um, and of course, because I'm always like, interested in what's going on in our society and how we're showing up in it and how I'm showing up, the inside, the outside, how I'm perceived, etc. I'm like, you know, the captions are definitely, they're starting something, but it's not until um, I directly confront like uh, white people that it goes viral. Um, mm-hmm. And so after that, Jill's Black became a whole different ballgame because now the name works and it is is the handle that sort of sticks i think i it becomes problematic because it's the most extreme of who i am it's my ego mm. it's my reactions it's when i've had a hard day at work it's when i don't want to understand someone else's perspective it's when i need to be right to feel safe it's when i need to control my environment down to i need to know everything about this group of people so that i can feel like i know myself um, and my place in all of this that is what jill is black is and i think that that is a tool i think that if you are not engaging with what's going on around you and you you got to run to the edge to see it okay but you can't live on the edge. Um, so ultimately, I could not live there. And what I certainly could not do is encourage other people to live there with me or through me, because that did not feel like a, a good use of an opportunity. Um, wow. Okay. So, so much to impact there. And, and then again, you know, I'm going to jump way, way ahead, because in your epilogue, you you talk about, in your acknowledgments, actually, I think you you say that you hope you know, whether people reject or accept yeah. this, what you've put forward here. Uh, you also say, you know, and you're okay with that, but you also say you hope that um, if if somebody sees themselves in this, I saw myself in this very much. And, you know, I think you hit upon, just like you hit upon this zeitgeist with Jill is Black in terms of, you know, certain confrontational conversations mm-hmm. that uh, social media obviously has amplified and accelerated in many ways for better or worse Mm -hmm. um this the ego question right like what happens when when we when we have the platform what happens when you know this this kind of um perversion might be a strong word but there is a weird kind of like perversion of self uh perversion of personality maybe is what the word i'm looking for um and Mm -hmm. i think we all run into it i run Mm -hmm. into it as a journalist you know we live in a society full of 200 and 80 
character, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> mm-hmm. manifestos and hot takes. I mean, you know, and, and I'm not I- immune to this any more than anybody else is. And so I saw myself in, in this story. And, and it was interesting for me as somebody who had followed mm-hmm. you early on prior to uh, even being a professional journalist. I, I, you know, when I was actually still in the entertainer phase of my life uh-huh. and realizing how closely those two careers parallel each other yeah. more than I could have thought that they would. So in engaging with your ego, um, <laughs> which is something that now most of us do, so kudos. <laughs> um, Thank you. <laughs> what what did you what did you feel like you had to lose there or what you had to gain belonging um yeah. you know i think it's a book about being sometimes an insider sometimes an outsider sometimes both at the same time which is the most awkward you know mm-hmm. and i think a lot of the essays are about that moment because you know i'm observing myself in the situations but i'm there you know, so it's like, you know, I'm I'm both at once. And of course, we can say I'm doing ego work, but I'm, it's ongoing forever. So now it's just the next part of this where I could develop ego around dealing with my ego. So let's also say that because now I'm doing this ego work. There are layers to this shit, as there, people say. That's what they say. <laughs> I've heard it. And so... um so, and of course, I've like forgotten the question. Um, <laughs> well, we were talking about what this, you have to lose or gain by engaging with your ego. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I think, yeah, but like when you are liked, mm-hmm. and that was a different way to be liked in terms of identity and subculture, culture that I'm saying a thing that is connecting with all kinds of people. And now, like, me doing that has made me likable in a way that I have not experienced. And the internet can do that, you know? So even if it's not to this scale, you know, before it got to this, I was already doing that. Like, oh, everybody, okay, we like each other and we're connecting. And it's like aesthetic and music, but it doesn't matter. You're in the in-group, no matter how small. You know, and I think what the internet has done is it has a lot of people, even if we are still lonely, feeling a lot less lonely because suddenly we feel connected to these other people. Um, I worried about people not liking me. I worried about going from Jill is black to, oh, that person we thought you would turn out to be, or this is what we thought you were the whole time. And no matter how ridiculous that is, of course, that feeling of being an insider in some way is a strong one. And the idea of going to like, now I'll have to be the outsider, even to something that I created. Yikes. Okay, but let's do it. Let's see what, what happens. Um, and this is where I have good support systems because, you know, <laughs> my mother is like, okay, we do it. So what's next? And I'm like, oh, okay, we're doing it. Um, so we're doing it, but it's hard. And I was scared. I spent a lot of this year really scared. Um, and luckily, I don't feel that way right now, but it was it was scary to anticipate. And now I'm relieved. Hi 
there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. We don't often confront the fact that we are all, if any of us who are on social media, I don't care how friendly and puppies mm-hmm. and flower filled your Facebook is, or Facebook is your only platform, all of mm-hmm. us, none of us are on social media who don't want to be validated, right? Right. Like, right. That's what we're there for. That's, that's right. really it. You know, we can talk about engagement and connection all we want. And we can be grateful that it exists, you know, in a year that, after Absolutely. a year that we've been in quarantine. But the fact is, nobody... logs on and creates an account, puts up that little avatar if they don't want to be validated. And I think like that's a conversation not many of us are willing to have about the ways in which we want to be validated. And that's one of the things that resonated with me so deeply in Unfollow Me is that you examine that relationship, but you also go deeper. So, you know, (laughs) I've only had one other writer here who um, where we've talked about who, who wrote a chapter, for instance, on being in the room so to speak, and the people Mm -hmm. who are in the room and what those Mm. people look like and what those people sound like and what type of people they are and all the different um, personas, you know, or versions of ourselves that enter the room. I need to know this writer. I'm so excited about this. (laughs) It was Tia Williams and it was, it's a romance Mm. novel, Seven Days Mm -hmm. in June. Uh, So it was fiction. It was fiction. But Tia writes this chapter about being in the room. And I was like, we know these people. Those of us who so quote unquote have been in those circles we know these people and we know that we're one of them and that we can be one of them that we show up as one of them and we wonder how we appear to them right 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 so this this um this self-awareness the self-consciousness that you're bringing to the page here i think is rare and and also you do it with your family which i can i can only imagine is is a was a Deeply challenging prospect. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. What was that like? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Ah! Um, we'll see. Um, it was nice. Um, sometimes it was harder to think about what people would say who I didn't know and who didn't really know me than it was to really confront a relationship where it's like, hey, if we're not going to have this fight, I'm going to have it alone and then I'm going to let this go. And so I think it did what it needed to do, but it had been coming for so long that that didn't feel like the hard thing. What felt like the hard thing was confronting people I did not know. And that might just be that I felt like I couldn't control it as much, but the family, you know, it just felt like... It was obviously a terrifying thing to take on because then I thought, can we even critique Black family in this way? Like, are we open to not, do I have to save these people in the end, no matter what? Do I have to make them into types so that I can say, oh, but, you know, she's just this type and you know how that is. You need to redeem them somehow. Right. right? And I'm, I, (laughs) 
No, um, I'm, <laughs> I'm not. And that doesn't mean that I am not open to whatever happens next or that I know what's going to happen next. Um, but I do know that we would have to address what's not happening for anything new to happen. So that's what I feel like I'm doing with this. It is a call, not a closing. It's saying, I'm calling out to you. I'm not closing it down. And if someone reads it that way, then it's just not quite true. I would rather have the conversation always. Fair. Um, and, and yeah, you definitely are not shying away from a conversation here. You, you, you're putting a lot on the page. And I think it's a lot that is recognizable to a lot of us. Um, mm-hmm. You know, these family dynamics and, and also in doing that kind of call, it's, it's both a call towards and kind of a call out because you're also kind of in a larger way addressing the black middle class, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> a little bit. And, and the performance of, of what that is, which you, you mm-hmm. say, you know, kind of, I'm paraphrasing, but you say it kind of takes place in, in myriad ways, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, it, and it is interesting because I, I think any of us who have navigated those circles, whether we've grown up in them or send it to them, you do, <laughs> there's layers to that shit too. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, like, you know, it, the, the black middle class is in itself its own really interesting. Mm-hmm you know, 18-layer cake of caste and consciousness Hierarchy and, 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 right, um, yeah. and wokeness and non-wokeness and, you know, right. assimilation and, and, and whatever, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It, but it's not a conversation, again, it's not a conversation we have a ton, mm-hmm. you know, unless we're talking about a book like, you know, Our Kind of People, <laughs> you know, right, or right. Talented Tenth Conversations. Right. Um, but we don't always have that aspirational conversation. Why was it uh, significant for you to have it? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we like to do it in extremes or we like to critique it from the outside. So I think the part, you know, like you'll see a movie and they'll kind of make fun of like, <laughs> like the bougie cousin or the, you know, we'll, we'll do it a little bit. But I really wanted to um, hone in to like a more intimate <laughs> sort of uh, critique. Um, and I wanted to make sure that I included myself as well. I think, yeah, aspirational. I think that humans make a lot of hierarchy. And when we don't acknowledge it and we don't talk about it, you know, someone is left out. Even if you're inside, you're still left out because you can't win, you know? So we're all trying to win and you can't win. And then we're making well, fun that of the ways we don't Well, that goalpost just keeps on moving, don't it? It, it just keeps moving. <laughs> it does move. Um, it so moves. And then it's like, oh, I don't have this thing, but I can perform it. Or, oh, I had this experience and it replaces this thing on paper. And... It is exhausting to try to ascend through the external. And so, you know, I, I think I would rather try the other because one of these is very exhausting and I know I can't win. I know that I can't and that I will get in a room with the person who's winning a little bit more than me. And now I'm feeling insecure. So I have all of these things in my head about, oh, where did you go to school? What did... And I just hadn't seen it as much with us in this way. And because we're not a monolith, as we say, yes, <laughs> as we say, as we um, say, then I know that I'm free to talk about my experience in that because we're not a monolith. And so there's nothing to agree with uh, <laughs> those shelves that I reference uh, that you know where my family keeps accomplishments and the external world. Those exist. This isn't about right or wrong. This is about experience, right? So if we come in and say, oh, that's not right because the black man, 
that's what's right where I come from. And there's going to be, I feel, uh, enough of a universal message here where it will be undeniable. And I wanted to try that without footnotes and, hey, I did this research here and, hey, I went over here this long to study this. What if we just try it based on what we have around us? That was the experiment. It's like, I'm, I'm going to analyze it from what I've got, but it would take me admitting what I've got. I mean, you know, uh, and I think it's effective. Um, I also think you you very effectively talk about the commodification of otherness, right? You know, that, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like we we spent so much time. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll just speak for myself, right? You know, mm-hmm. when I started The Root four years ago, so many of our conversations were about, you know, getting this seat at the table. I mean, Solange is putting out her album, get it, you know, yeah. getting the seat at the table, you know, all this stuff. And then it was like, no, we're going to build the table. No, we're going to flip the table. You <laughs> yeah, know, like that all table this stuff. went through it. <laughs> that damn table, man. So we're going to set the table happening. on fire. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Let's table that. Let's no. dance on the table. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, dance. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, you know, in, in taking us into these rooms that you take mm-hmm. us into, um, and you're taking us into them in this full awareness of yourself. Uh, not only as Black, but as someone identified as a Black woman, as a Black femme, mm-hmm. as a Black queer femme, right? You know, like all these things, like, you know, all these all these categories that we have learned over the, those, the last decade or more yeah. to yeah. commodify. Like these things have value, you know, right. all these things yeah. that that both mar- they marginalize us but they also like here's my thing here's my mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and i thought it was incredibly vulnerable to to do that because i think so many of us are riding on that like okay well if i can't if i can't be accepted then what we're going to do is you're going to celebrate my difference you're going to pay damn me it for- <laughs> you're going to pay me <laughs> i'm going to be invited to that party if i'm going to have these identities that's right um, that's the right. intersection is a party yeah mhm mhm mm-hmm. It's a block party. I like that. The intersection. <laughs> it's a block party. <laughs> and I'm about to have a block party, I bet, after this. But yeah, um, yeah, that's happening. They're valuable. They are for sale. Capitalism has gotten your otherness. They've tracked it on the internet. They've realized that it sells. But yes. Yeah, but they've been doing it for a long time. And they, they also do it, you know, with white cis men you know this idea of like oh you you want to be into this thing now we'll sell it to you and you'll sell yourself to us and so yeah everything everything has a price tag on it when it's done you know we got to keep switching it up because i i would say right now they've got some good research on it and i don't want trickle down representation i don't Mm -hmm. know about anybody else um i have not seen that to be as effective as we keep saying maybe it is and i'm just not saying i'm not following the right people i don't know but i think it leads to we just have some icons in everything and we take the icon we worship the icon Mm -hmm. now the icon makes it for us you know, we don't even want the icon to compete with anything. We'll shut down their competition and say, you win, you run the ball for all of us. And I think, yes, it has helped us to embrace different parts of ourselves. Absolutely. there The universe will balance itself out. There will always be benefits to this stuff. But are they worth it? That is the question. And even if they are, why are we scared to talk about them if they're so awesome? Because I, I just, I don't know that we don't see them but I know that we're not talking about them. Mm. Well, speaking of things you don't talk about, <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm going to try to 
address this without or, or reference it without spoiling it because I think people really need to read this book and I, I want them to. But you have a conversation in this book that you almost you say you didn't you were afraid to mm-hmm. publish, you were afraid to talk about. And it is the exact thing that I'll say it was trigger. It was mildly triggering for me as somebody who you know lives in a space where I deal with a comment section daily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, um, and uh, you know, and and work at a site that attracts obviously um, as much hate as admiration, mm-hmm. right? Or mm-hmm. so-called mm-hmm. hate, right? But you do this thing where you engage with the enemy as a means of engaging with the enemy you created as well. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and it's one of the most interesting that. conversations. Well, please do. Please do. Because it's it's so interesting to me. Uh-huh. Because it was this whole, like, it, it was very meta. Like, the whole, the whole thing was, like, very, like, whoa, okay, what's happening here? And it's worth also, you know, noting in the midst of that that I was intrigued by the fact that you switch between first and second person throughout this book. Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting, too. Mm-hmm. This, like... Be, both being inside and outside yeah. of yourself. And again, I, I cannot express enough how as a writer, as a content creator, as somebody who navigates some of these same lanes, I was like, yeah, this is exactly what that feels like. The part where you're not sure who is you anymore. Mm-hmm. The part where you're like, well, why am I not having this difficult conversation with this difficult person? Right. As if I'm scared to have that conversation, as if I'm only comfortable in an echo chamber of my own thoughts. Right, right. So, yeah. how'd you get over the hump to include the conversation? Oh, um, you know, <laughs> at some point we had just gone so far. I was like, well, let's go ahead and do that. But it, it felt important because it, it was timely. So, we were talking mm-hmm. about this on the outside, and I was sitting on this, you know, story that I wasn't ever going to tell. And it felt very relevant. But I also. I find I find scripting people into social acceptability to be very dangerous, um, and I really mean that. So I. What do cons- you mean by that? What does that mean? Sure. So I mean when we give certain groups of um, white people these scripts, and we say, "Here, here's how to be right about us." And they get to go and study the script or whatever. And and some people might mean it and some people don't. Um, or some people are scared to get called out in front of their friends or in the comment section of a black woman or, the, you know, and they're learning for whatever their personal reasons happen to be because we're all going through this life as individuals mm-hmm. as well. And so I am nervous about what happens when I can't have a conversation anymore that doesn't follow the rules what is missing because somebody can now just learn your script and lie to you and you'll never know and you'll never have a different conversation you'll never ask the actual source wait what are you saying and it doesn't mean that you agree with them it doesn't mean it's not dangerous itself it just means you're you're having it so i think conversation at this point i won't get into any of the buzzwords of what we can't call it or call it but when we can't talk I, it makes me nervous. Um, and so I wanted to talk. And I also wanted to talk to myself. Because when you know what the script is, which is Jill is Black, I meant it, but it's still a script. And so when you can't even disagree with yourself without incriminating yourself, like I'm a hypocrite to me, 
what's going on? I don't want to be dishonest with me. And so all of this is meta because it's it's also just an example of doing this work of saying, like, are you scared to confront the truth? Are you scared that you are now made safe by what you say about things like this without ever having to think about it? Which is so ironic because you, you get safe by saying dangerous things. Like, I've made myself so woke that I've insulated myself. Right? <laughs> I'm so smart now. I can't say anything because I'm so smart. And so, you know, and things change so quickly because we change so quickly. And then we punish other people for not knowing how to keep up. But we can't keep up with everything. And then we're embarrassed when we get it wrong. And then we have to get defensive. Well, that's not what I meant. But that's not what that person you just told off meant. You know, so all of a sudden it's intent versus or impact versus intent, unless it's us, then all of a sudden, hold on, that's not, hold on, I want to talk to you about that because I said it. Well, which one is it? So, I, you know, again, this isn't, I don't have any answers, I have questions. And I have questions because I'm here and I have to do it too. And now I just, I stopped talking to people. I stopped talking to people, all kinds of people, because they disagreed with me. Mm-hmm. And so it felt like I had to rectify every person I blocked for saying, Jill, is this making you happy? And I'm like, of course. I mean, there's no time to be happy. <laughs> you know, the world, all of those people. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was, I'm not there now. And so I got to let you know, I'm not there now. This is, this goes on. It keeps going. We're going to learn new stuff. They're going to change the words. They're going to start saying that instead. Of that, and you'll be behind too. You know, you're not winning at knowing everyone. So let's talk. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, backtracking to the beginning, you know, you, uh, you are right. All of this, Jill is Black, this book, everything comes out of this really interesting context that of course took on new meaning in the last year of having this history with your mother of Mm -hmm. being a diversity trainer like being one of the one of those people who they invite into the you know um and i know that you have said that you recognize it as the industry that it is but Mm -hmm. um in the context of the last year having had that experience And obviously, at the same time, having a book deal and and trying to get this story out. How did, what was that juxtaposition like for you? Knowing that language that people were speaking, you know what I mean? Already possessing that, I guess. Um, Well, it felt different. So I think it didn't have as much of a container when I was doing it as, as it does now. So it feels like something both old and new. My mother and I felt like we were kind of making this thing up and people are like, Mm -hmm. we don't really want this, Mm -hmm. you know, convince us that we want it. So, you know, there was a lot of convincing people that it was important. And now, you know, everybody's like, well, this is important. So we want, it feels really, really different. However, I would say that before it had a container, was it more effective? You know, because now that it is a thing with a its own price tag and value and rules and all of that. I wonder now what it does. And that's not to mean that somebody isn't out there just like doing the best work. Somebody is, but it's still the question of like, well, now it's just, are we giving these scripts to people and saying, follow this? And, you know, we, we do 
have um, legal ramifications from this, for some of this, and we use them when we want to. So what role does that play? If, if someone is saying this stuff at your job, what are the actual things that should happen? You know, it's, it's complicated. And so I just don't know. Anti-racism was not being said when I was doing this work. And it felt important to say, oh, I was in there before this was happening and not in, oh, I was in there before it was happening, but in a, wow, this has really taken on a whole new, it's its own being at this point to say anti-racism. Um, it's got legs and I'm interested in, in just having a, a deeper conversation about what that looks like without just saying, oh, we're getting training. You know, like, mm-hmm. oh, this happened, we're getting training. Hey, everybody, come in here, we're getting a training. From and who and what will happen when they leave, you know, because I, I am still curious about that. And then we hire the person to stay, but they have a job. And they want to keep their job because we live in capitalism, right? So then how is that person being treated at the job? They have their own cultural problems going on. So I, I just don't know without changing some of these structures, but I do think, you know, harm reduction. That's fair. I think that's fair. I mean, you know, harm reduction is <laughs> never bad. <laughs> no, harm reduction. Um, we got you. Well, you know, I'm going to ask you a question that, is, well, this is going to be a multi-layer question. Uh, it will be my last one. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I ask the question a lot of our writers here on the podcast, you know, how do you hope people will use this book. Um, with you, I'm going to take it a step further because you, you know, you are effectively using, the, you use this book as well to excise yourself from a specific mm-hmm. identity. So how do you hope people <laughs> will use this book? And also now that you've used it, what yeah. what's next? Mm-hmm. I hope that people will mostly see that this is a journey, you know, and not just as a quote of, oh, you know, it's a journey and we evolve, but that some of the most extreme beliefs that we hold mostly about ourselves, they can change up on you. Mm -hmm. You know, this really Mm -hmm. changed up on me. And because, you know, if I had come into this and it was a gimmick and I was really just trying to be famous off of it. And I was like, this whole thing is a brand. Y'all like Jill's like, great, buy this. Fine. But because when I was saying it, there was sincerity to it. You know, I had this job. I was frustrated. I was feeling like this gradualism is ridiculous. I had come mm-hmm. out of this world. It was sincere. And so I hope that people give themselves some um, some relief because that's what I gave myself. I'm going to do this in public and it sucks sometimes to think that I'm doing this in public. And sometimes it's awesome because when somebody reads this and they really connect with it, then we really connect because we're past all the, oh, good, you like, no, we got to really connect now. It's got to be, hey, I saw this. Great. And so I have real friends that I'm making all over the place now. And that Aww. is beautiful. But I hope that you breathe. I hope that you don't spend all your time on this phone feeling like the whole point is to wake up to 300 mixed messages and 5 billion pieces of bad news. And you are responsible for yourself. We have a lot of work to do. We have got to work on learning each other beyond how we benefit each other. We've got to admit to something that we're up to, you know, do it. You want to make 
$5 billion off of me, just tell me. Don't call it a hierarchy that I have to root for, because I don't. I don't have to root for you stepping on me. I don't. Let's let's just talk. Um, I want to have open conversations, and I think yeah, people call it a vulnerable book. Uh, I appreciate that. I've never been called vulnerable in my life, so that's new for me. <laughs> that is very very new. Um, but I hope it's an example. Uh, things change and they grow and they evolve. And I still also in this book believe a lot of the same things that Jill is Black was saying before. A lot of this is very much the same. It's just a different approach. And yes, I am still that person. I will get off of, you know, the internet and be like, you've got to be kidding me and be full of judgment because yeah, of course, I just can't do it the same now. Well, you know, uh, speaking for myself, you know, you never call it this, but speaking for myself, you, I think you address this, another buzzword that people, you like to, buzz phrase rather, that people like to use a lot, this concept of imposter syndrome. And I think that mm. any of us engaging in the digital space know some variation of that, whether we call it that or not. So mm-hmm. speaking for myself, I thank you for writing this book because I think we need to see ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we need, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And it was difficult work, but I think you, it holds the possibility of encouraging others of us to do that difficult work as well. And I think that's what books should do. So thank you so much for writing thank Unfollow you. Me. Um, although I don't think anybody's going to be unfollowing you anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, let's, let's table hey. that. Let's, <laughs> we'll see what happens. It might be a whole yeah. new audience, but you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, um, amid the, all the necessary conversations we've been having lately, yeah. I think this is one to have because we have a tendency to believe our own hype. So thank Absolutely. you for writing this. Thank you for coming on It's Lit and talking with me. I really enjoyed this conversation. It's so great. So, you know, hopefully I'll be one of those new friends because I, I, could, I could chat oh, with yeah, you about we're, this we're about for to, ages. Yeah, we, we're, we're about, about to homie up? It. Okay, yeah, I'm into it. To, All yeah, right. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. The Root Presents It's Lit is produced by myself, Maisha Kai, and Michaela Heck. Our sound engineer is Ryan Allen. Our theme song was penned by yours truly and producer Scott Jacoby. If you like the show and want to help us out, please, please, please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out, and we appreciate your feedback so much. Of course, if you have any thoughts or feedback, you can also find me on Twitter at Maisha, that's M-A-I-Y-S-H-A, and at Maisha Kai on Instagram. Before we go, I always talk a little bit about what I'm currently reading. You know, I am digging into something that came out a little while ago, which is Alicia Garza's The Purpose of Power, How We Come Together When We Fall Apart. You know, most people know Alicia from Black Lives Matter as one of its co-founders. And, you know, she's become 
an incredible voice within that movement, but she's also moved beyond that movement. And this book really traces her steps from what she would call a baby organizer all the way through to the leader of a global movement and beyond as she now runs the Black Futures Lab. We actually have Alicia coming up on the show soon, so I hope you will stay tuned in to It's Lit to hear our conversation because it is incredible. That's it for this week. I hope you will keep listening. I thank you for listening today and we will see you next week. In the meantime, you know what to do. Keep it lit.